Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the April 25th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's your Monday edition. It's your three-day countdown to the NFL draft edition of the podcast. I am Chris, and with me as always is John. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please do make sure you subscribe. It helps us uh, and it helps you. We all win. And if you've got friends and family that love sports, uh, listening to other people talk about sports, then please do share the podcast with them. We very much appreciate it. Also, if you're sick of supporting uh, ESPN and other big corporate sports sites, we offer umyasports.com as a place for you to head each and every day for the latest in uh, sports news and information. And we go get all that stuff from around the web, lots of local sites, do all the hard searching and finding the most important storylines. And then we bring it all to you free of charge, free from ads, We do advertise this very podcast, though. We do do that. But other than that, no ads for you. Uh, So please head on over to umyasports.com if you get a chance. And uh, all right, with that out of the way, let's get into today's episode. We are going to start with Debo Samuel, that situation in San Francisco. Uh, John Lynch, he can't imagine moving on from Debo Samuel. I I mean, any GM, I think, would struggle with the notion of moving on from the best wide receiver in the league, um, who is still quite early um, in his career, you would think. But wants out. Yeah. He 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 wants out. Well, I think this is basically, like you said, it's basically everything that you hear from every GM around the league. Oh, we had a conversation with him. We think we can work everything out, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Usually that means... It's not looking hopeful, and he's probably gonna be out the door in a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> don't believe it. Um, no, this is just face value for the for for the fans behind the scenes. There's probably phone conversations going on between uh, owners and uh, GMs between uh, different teams about Debo Samuel probably getting traded. So, and ultimately, I think it's just inevitable. He doesn't want to play the type of situation that he's being uh, being used at as a 49er doesn't want to be that kind of so he doesn't want wr to be, running back combo he just yeah. wants to be a straight wide receiver yeah. if you do that you lose a lot of the money that you can make from being both because now you're just one facet as opposed to another but then again also the wide receiver market is blowing up the running back market probably not quite yeah. as much so yeah. switching and just saying one or the other the wide receiver is the better one to go and ultimately I think it's well. He's going to get more durability and long term. If you're not a running back here, because you're already mm-hmm. getting bashed every single getting, play, not getting hammered. Um, and the people that you get do get much. bashed by are not the 300 pound right. defensive linemen coming right. through. So, right. Uh, that's also <laughs> probably a smart yep. move there. But longevity, my friend. I think it's one of those things where it's ultimately going to happen. They're just kind of de- delaying the inevitable. Um, I, I think it's also probably one of those things with the fact that we're going to, they're going to figure out the quarterback situation because they want to move over, move over to Trey Lance from Garoppolo, but you lose Debo Samuel, lose a reliable target for Trey yeah. Lance to pass to. So that also adds a level of complexity that I don't think they really want to deal with. The problem is they shouldn't drag their feet too long as there's only three days before the draft. And if this yep. is inevitable, it's going to happen. You don't want to miss out on an opportunity to draft a good wide receiver in this year's draft because you decide to wait too long. You can definitely get probably 
at least one first round pick, maybe more first round picks, and then some second round picks if you just make the deal. Yeah, I would happen. look. I would look for something to happen. I mean, the Jets between the, now and the draft Cowboys, day. all these people are yeah. willing to just throw picks at yeah. it because they need it and they want it. So, all right, I don't know. Well, we won't have long to wait. I think that will all come to a resolution here pretty pretty shortly. Um, and then we'll see. One thing that I am not sure I'm looking forward to next NFL uh, season is the shuffle of <laughs> analysts, commentators, game callers. It's gonna be. It's just madness. Yeah, you're not gonna. You're not gonna be able to know what you're watching by just listening for the voice. You're gonna be. <laughs> you're gonna be confused. You're gonna hear Troy Aikman, and you're gonna think that you're watching Fox. America's game. <laughs> right of the of the week and in fact no you are not you're watching espn monday night football you're watching monday night football yes so So it's going to be strange for sure um thankfully all the voices are available uh we we aren't losing anybody in this whole thing they're just changing around and changing combinations um one uh one fella such fella is drew Brees. so what's up with him so He's going from NBC. Possibly going from NBC to Fox. Though. Going over to Fox to take either the number one or number two announcer or spot. Number two announcer spot. The number two would replace, I believe, Greg Olson for that spot and kind of put him in there. Either way, I mean, I think that's an interesting option. I th- It's also going to be weird because he's switching from b- being the halftime show person to being actually in the booth because in NBC, right. he was always the Sunday night uh, football guy that kind of was in the halftime in pre right. He was shows. like a desk analyst so kind of. He never actually was in the booth yep. very often, or I don't think he really called any. So that's going to be a little bit of a switch for him. But I mean, obviously, being the number one or number two announcer is going to give you a lot more opportunities to move up the ranks uh, and be able to be and call some games and stuff, which I think probably is something he would want to do. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up moving from NBC. Uh, to to Fox. Fox needs to find some new people. It would certainly be a promotion for him. And to go straight into one of those premier spots immediately without having to sort of prove yourself. Desperate Fox is for some people. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. They need a big name. They need a big name and they need because they just lost their two biggest names in Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to to Monday Night Football. So now they need to rebuild from the ground up pretty much. So that would be a good place to start. All right. Who are the Jags picking at number one, sir? So there's a lot of questions now. It, it, the thought for a while was they were going to go with Aiden Hutcherson uh, from Michigan, and that was going to be the guy they were going to go with. Now they're saying they're narrowing it down to four guys as their possible uh, group of guys. Some people think they're going to go offensive tackle. Other people think they're going to go defense end in a different way. Uh, I think personally – So we're going on the line, though. It sounds like pretty much consensus is we're hitting the line uh, one side or the other. That's what – that's the two that they're thinking about. That's yeah. at least what people are saying. But I think personally they should be investing more into the offense uh, than the defense. I think offensive line is smart because protecting your quarterback yeah. is never a bad option, especially a second-year guy. We don't want a similar thing to happen to Joe, Joe Burrow to happen to Trevor Lawrence where no. he gets injured yeah. really badly because they didn't couldn't protect him. Obviously, that's something you need to do. But I also think getting him weapons would be nice because, yes, they went into free agency and got them got him, got some gadgets and new wide receivers for uh, Trevor Lawrence to definitely make some really good plays with, but getting a you know a good tight end because there's a bunch of really good tight ends. Obviously, you might not want to go that early and do that, but I also think getting a wide receiver because their wide receivers last season I mentioned this multiple times they're really suffering with catching the football, and they just really couldn't find any footing there. So I think investing a wide receiver in the earlier 
part of the draft. I think that it depends on if they think is anyone that deserves to be number one. But I think it, doing that would be really smart just because I think that's going to help you. I think their defense uh, pass rush, especially defense end, and that defensive line is fine. They've got multiple really good pass rushers. Even the linebackers are helping out in the rush game. We saw that a lot, especially in the Colts game at the end of the season so they definitely have some good pass rushers the other place i think would make sense would be cornerback position add some depth back there especially after you lost jalen ramsey and that was a little while ago but adding another cornerback that could step up into that type of role and become a premier cornerback and there's multiple guys that are sitting in that spot that i've heard that could go as far as or slide as low as maybe top five top six guys so you could probably uh snatch one of them there and then let the other guys kind of fall where they may because the detroit lions and these teams that are waiting behind you can definitely use these guys so it depends on if you want to let them have them but i think personally doing either cornerback or wide receiver or offensive line one of those three positions makes perfect sense because i think defense end is not really going to be that beneficial uh, for them in the long run, I think the secondaries would be more helpful because they do not want to get blown apart with guys just ripping down the seams. They have no one to guard him, and then they get into these big situations where they're losing by like 40, 30 points like they did last season, and then also protecting Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence does have the ability to get out of the pocket and run a little bit, but you also want to kind of be in the be able to stay in the pocket. But And on wide receiver, so I think it's probably going to be one of those three positions because I think those are the probably the three positions that – you could get a lot of beneficial material from in this draft. Obviously, I think the defensive side is going to be deeper than the offensive side because it normally is on draft nights. You see that a lot. Um, so personally, I don't think it's going to be that defensive end situation that most people think, or I don't think that'd be the smartest move. It might end up being that because the Jaguars want to, you know, get all that, get the best guy in the draft and what they think is the best guy in the draft. But just taking a step back and looking at everything, I think these other positions are probably the position they need to fill first and then look at make, getting these other moves and, and making splashes there as well. All right. Well, let's go talk about the NBA because I don't know if you know this, but the playoffs are happening. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. We are uh, in the uh, heart of the, the first round, it, yes. in the thick of the first round here. And we were super, super excited that Ben Simmons could be playing game four for the Nets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns out, Turns out not so much. Not going to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, Nets are getting frustrated. <laughs> Everyone's getting frustrated, I think, a lot. I'm getting frustrated. They're trying to figure out. A, a, the, I've heard they've been trying to, Ben Simmons camp and the ownership are trying to find a way to get him out of the core. And they're trying to, you know, obviously there's two sides of this. If he's still injured and he's still trying to work through that and he actually cannot play, that's one thing. But if it's one of those things that they're just taking precautionary steps and they're like, and they're and he's obviously healthy enough to play, and there's a situation where they should put him in the game. And, and so is he saying, fine. "I don't want to play. I don't feel good." I think that basically what I've what I've seen and heard is that they are just trying to work him into that situation where he actually can play. Like they're trying to figure out that situation. But hmm. they already put it. I thought I read that the, he's already going on to getting into drills and some contact stuff. So, and that was at the beginning of the series, or even before the series even began. That was that that was the case. And plus, this is an elimination game uh, for this Nets team. And I was watching the footage of the last game that they played uh, between these two squads. And ultimately, if they have a guy like Ben Simmons in the in the game, I believe that the Nets have the capability and the pieces to win the basketball game and start winning a lot of ba- uh, a lot of these games and get back into the series. I believe they can even things up with him on the court. I think they've been missing that piece that that. That the guy that can disrupt in a way that these guys that are on the court, Kevin Durant, Bruce Brown, Claxton, you know, Kyrie Irving, are just not doing in a in a productive way. Tatum's just getting steal and 
just being able to get fast break breakaway points, getting and also the rebounding is awful for for the Nets. They've been just getting inside, and if you're the Celtics and making plays and just getting anything they really want, and they just seem like they're just walking all over this Nets team. But if you bring a guy like Ben Simmons in because he comes from the 76ers, which are a way better defensive team than this Nets team is, he can come and disrupt and make plays and ultimately start winning them basketball games, and that's exactly what they need right now. Uh, if he holds off and he did, they end up not playing with him tonight, I believe this series is over before it even begins. And now since we know he's not playing tonight, this series feels like to me it's over. I don't think this team is at a position or has the right players on the court to end up winning a bunch of basketball games and getting back into it. I think it would ultimately become a sweep, which is surprising to me because this Nets team is so talented with a lot of great players. It's just they're not getting enough. And it's been really close games throughout each one. Each time there's a halftime, it's like three points or less dividing the two teams at halftime and then the other, and then at the end, the, the Celtics just did it, enough plays to end up winning the basketball game. So if you have a, like a playmaker like like Ben Simmons is and he has the opportunity to play, I think it would be a huge mistake not to play him. Now you're kind of having to look at things from this perspective of he's not playing because that's the that's the result of what internal discussions kind of came upon. To, and ultimately, if you look at it, it's one of those things that – I don't see this team taking a huge step forward tonight. I don't know how they're going to be able to take that huge step forward unless Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both score, you know, 30 to 40 points a piece. That's the type of game you need to have from them to be able to have that result that you want in that W because the Celtics team is so talented. And now they got Williams back after uh, after being out for the, basically the entire the entire three games. And now he got back – or no, the entire two games, and he came back – uh, during game three. Now he'll be playing huge minutes in game four. So now you add a whole nother uh, facet to this team that I believe is one of their better players as far as their centers are concerned. And you add him onto the court and then basically all bets are off. I don't think there's any way they can even kind of stay close in this game. And I think there's going to be, obviously this game, I believe is still going to be in Brooklyn because I think they only played one so far. The energy level, I think, from the Celtics team is just not going to be matched by this Nets team. I, I, I think there's just a bit of frustration going on uh, inside the Nets organization, not just from the Ben Simmons stuff, but from all these losses that they've been taking so close and they have opportunities to win it. They just are not doing the right things to get those Ws. So ultimately, it's just one of those things they're just going to have to scrape together and you have to be really... Uh, scrappy in the way they play basketball. They have to find a bunch of opportunities to score. They're going to have to get rebounds. They're going to have to be physical inside. Drummond's going to have to play a lot smarter, not just tip the ball back to the <laughs> to the offensive team and let them score a three. They're going to have to play really tight defense. Bruce Brown's going to have to get a lot of blocks. Everyone's just going to have to kind of come in and play. And the team and and this team is investing a lot in just to, in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving to try to stop them, make sure they can't get going. Everyone else is going to have to have huge games tonight, and that's the only way I can see this even going slightly in the favor of the Celtics. That just gets their foot in the door to the conversation of maybe winning the game if they do all of that, and that's you know a tall order for them. So ultimately, <laughs> I mean, unless this whole Celtics team decides not to play tonight. It's lights out. Okay. All right. Um, what do you make of the Jazz uh, Mav series here? Yeah, that was interesting because, I mean, Luke obviously came back uh, for this game and he, he played in it. And I thought because he was going to come back, they'd be able to sweep the rest of the series and they weren't going to lose any more games. They definitely should not have lost this game in any way, shape, or form. They The, the, uh, the Jazz came out not swinging. They just came out just... <laughs> playing the wrong note they they did not play well at all they were missing all their shots for for you know maybe three or four minutes they hit zero they got zero buckets and the 
the Mavs didn't take advantage at all. They only got a seven-point lead on this team before the Jazz actually were able to score any points. And that was because they were taking shots they weren't supposed to be taking. No one besides Brunson were even willing to go inside the paint and and fight uh, Rudy Gobert and Whiteside inside the paint and kind of challenge them and get things going. Everyone just seemed super afraid of going in, and then they just kind of dribble back out and try to get to the three-point three range and then try to get things going from there. The problem is they were missing a bunch, and they didn't really get hot at all from that from that spot until you know third, fourth quarter. And by that time, the Jazz already clawed their way back in. They were starting to shoot well. They started getting a little bit of rhythm going. They started playing really well. And the Mavericks are just trying to counter all of that. And that really is not what you're supposed to do. You need to be playing your game, your breed of basketball. And this team is talented enough and physical enough to go challenge these big centers that this Jazz team has. Just no one was willing to do it. And ultimately, I think that's why they ended up losing this game in the long run because they had so many opportunities um, to play in so many opportunities where they were playing good defense. You can't play great defense for a full for a full game in basketball. It's usually just little chunks of time that you're playing really well, and those chunks of time are the times that decide a basketball game. And ultimately, those chunks of time where they had opportunities, they failed at using those opportunities, and that's exactly why they ended up losing, losing this game. And so I, I think they're going to have to play their breed of basketball in the next game. They cannot be afraid of the paint because if they get the paint going, that's when they're going to start having success. Luka is now going to be coming on to his second game after the injury, after the calf strain, I believe it was. He's going to be a little bit more comfortable. He's going to be able to shoot the three a little bit better. He's going to be willing to go inside and play what he normally is able to play in that type of basketball he's able to really able to play. And I think that's when they really turn things around. I did like, however, their passing that the Mavericks were doing. They were passing the ball around, consistently giving guys opportunities, and that ultimately led to a little bit of a burst in the three-point um, makes that they actually are able to have. And then defensively, they've got to do better. They've got to shut down this Jazz team for for the long haul. They can't let these opportunities where Clarkson or Donovan Mitchell or Whiteside are just having the opportunity to get inside the paint and score. Uh, they've got to play lockdown defense. We saw it at times where they did that really well, and we saw times where they didn't do that quite as well. When they were doing it really well, they need to capitalize on the offensive side of the bo uh, board as well, and that's when you're really going to have success. So ultimately, this series is now tied up 2-2, two to two, so it could be any one series. The Jazz could tip uh, this into their favor if they really wanted to and they really were able to put the right pieces into place. That's all going to be a decision on how they play this next game. It's kind of up in the air at this point. But, I mean, for them, really all you have to do to win against this Mavericks team, if you get the same Mavericks team that you got to um, yesterday, I believe it was, if you get that same kind of, you know, feeling and kind of the same atmosphere that they got and the way they were playing you just keep doing what you did that game I mean it just all worked for you just kind of kept a guy in the middle of the paint and he just patrolled there and then they passed it back out nothing was really falling you kind of go back and kind of get your hand up there try to contest it but then on, on the offense if you can get cooking you start shooting the ball extremely well that's when this team is dangerous and lethal if you're the Jazz I'd also like to see a little bit more you know passing that we saw from this Jazz team because that's when I think they're at their true best is when they're passing the ball and they're passing the ball consistently so they got to be careful with that as well. But ultimately, this series could tip either way. I I, I still think it's going to be the, in the Mavericks' favor. But the Mavericks had to play a whole lot better and not be nearly as afraid of the paint as they were in this game. All right. What about the Pelicans' sons? Yeah, that game, I remember we talked about after Devin Booker's injury and mm -hmm. about what exactly yep. they need to do. It's pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yep. It's just punch for punch, punch for punch, punch for punch the entire game. Uh, the Suns need to do a much better job of not fouling. They fouled so often. They let this team go to the free throw line so much that that's really where these, you know, I would say huge, but they're maybe like five point 
uh, leads came from that came about quite often for the Pelicans were these fouls and the opportunities to get to the free throw line and being very physical inside and having their way. I also thought that the 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 Suns team kind of w- went away from what was working, this getting inside the paint, letting Chris Paul assist uh, Aiden and um, McGee both did a really good job in the paint and getting a lot of buckets, and that's exactly what they need to be doing because the, without Booker, they really don't have that true three-point shooting player, at least in this series, because a lot of these guys can shoot the three, they can shoot it well, but in this series, they've been struggling with behind the arc. So if they can just get inside and score in the paint, it's just going to be one of those things that's going to be punch for punch, punch for punch, and that's really where I see the series going. I don't think there's really any way to predict that it will all of a sudden turn over a new leaf, and all of a sudden the three-point players are just going to start working for the Suns team, because it really hasn't been, and you haven't really seen any players besides maybe Cameron um, that's really been doing much in the three-point range and having success. So they're going to have to be careful with that. But it's really just going to be Chris Paul assisting everybody else and putting everyone in his position where they're starting to play a lot better. Fouls had to be cut out completely if you want to be able to beat this team. You can't let them kind of get in front of you and stay in front of you because the Suns just never really able to climb out of the hole that they were putting themselves in. So they got to be careful with that as well. But ultimately, it's just I think this series is probably going to go end up going to seven games. I don't know if it would be the six. I think it would be seven. Just because I think it's just going to be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, until the end and there's not a way that Devin Booker will come back at all because I think he's out for like three to four weeks or something like that so he'll be out for quite quite a bit of time so ultimately I think this is going to be in one of the most deep series that we have but not just because it's really good competitive game between the two teams it's because the one team that should be able to sweep the, uh, the Pelicans now lost their most beneficial and crucial player to winning that series in that fashion and they will not get him back. All right, so tonight's slate of playoff games, we've got the Celtics-Nets at 6 o'clock on TNT. We've got the Raptors-76ers at 7 on NBA TV. And then we have the Jazz-Mavericks at 8.30 on TNT. So those are your games for tonight. For tomorrow, Tuesday, you've got Timberwolves-Grizzlies, 6.30 on TNT. Hawks-Heat at 6 on NBA TV, and then Pelican Suns at 9 on TNT. So those are your slate of games for the next couple of days. That'll keep us busy Yeah, as we continue yeah. on through the, uh, through the playoffs. We'll get some answers here. Yeah, especially tonight. Awesome. All right, listeners, thanks for listening. John, thanks for hanging. Yeah. We'll catch you on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. See ya. God bless. See ya.